If you're a Christian, you're to be an evangelist. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. We have this mentality in the church, especially as we gather together, like, like as if, you know, the calling is for people to come to church. You know, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't teach for us as in evangelism to, to bring people to church, as important as gathering is. The call of the Christian is for the church to go to the world. It's not the world to come to the church. The church goes to the world. You are an evangelist. Like whether you see yourself that way or not, it's not the church's response, like not this gathering, this small little gathering of church to be the evangelist. We are the evangelists. This is amazing grace. We all have people in our lives that could be described as hard-headed or hard-hearted. We may even wonder what it will take for them to turn their lives over to Jesus. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll be encouraged to hear how God specializes in reaching these unreachable people. If you need an example, just turn with us to Daniel chapter 4 as we hear how God got the attention of a king through a dream. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor with the details. Take your Bibles, open them to Daniel chapter 4 as we look at the chapter in its entirety today in a Bible study that I've entitled, Not Very Creative, God Reaches the Unreachable, Part 2. We looked at Part 1 last time as we left off praying for those in our lives that seem to be unreachable. They seem to be too far. They seem to be out of God's reach. Their hearts seem so hard and so beyond salvation. And we, we pray for them because we know that God answers prayer and that no one is beyond the reach of God. We know that God can reach people because look at us. Look around the room. We know that wherever condition we were in, the hardness of our heart, the resistance we were offering, the rebellion that came from us, God reached us. And don't ever forget the work of God in your life because the work of God in your life is a reminder that God can reach anyone. And we know by faith that someone even as important as King Nebuchadnezzar, who seems untouchable by the gospel. After all, if God laid upon your heart to reach someone in the upper echelons of government or the upper echelons of your, the corporation you work for, and you're like, I don't even think I could ever get an audience with that person. And, and if, even if I did, they'd probably give me two minutes and I wouldn't know what to say and I'd be all nervous and they wouldn't listen to me and I don't even know if I'd want to go into his office. He would fire me and they seem so untouchable. And not only do they seem so untouchable, but you look at yourself and you say, God could never use me. But both of those things are untrue. Not only are those folks touchable and reachable, but so are you to be usable. And Nebuchadnezzar, we learn in chapter 4, is very powerful, very prosperous, very self-sufficient, very successful. He's the world ruler. He's ruling the known world, filled with pomp, pompous pride. And God knew what it would take to reach him. And remember the tool that God used in Nebuchadnezzar's life was his sleep. It was his sleep. 
something that we take for granted. It was in his sleep when there was no other input in his life that God got his attention using dreams. Dreams that shook him. Dreams that caused him to ask questions. Dreams that stirred him. And God knew what it would take. And just remember, the person you're praying for, God knows what it'll take. Or maybe you look at your own life and you go, I don't know, I've been wrestling with this for a long time and I just don't see any way out. No, God knows what it takes for you to be released and to walk in freedom. God knows. So notice in verse 1 of chapter 4 in Daniel, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar sent this message to the people of every race and nation language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I want you to all know about the miraculous signs and wonders the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs and how powerful his wonders. His kingdom will last forever. His rule through all generations. Verse 4. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was living in my palace in comfort and prosperity. But one night, and mark that, just mark that phrase. All it took was one night. He had all of his life, all of the years that he lived, all of the actions, and, but it was one night because one night can change everything. And as he's given his testimony, he says, one night I had a dream that frightened me and I saw visions that terrified me as I lay in my bed. As we learned last time, the king had it made. There wasn't much more for him to conquer, much more for him to do. You could say that he came to a place in his life where it, it was cruise control and he was enjoying the prosperity. He had all the money, all the power, all the prestige. It was all his. You could say that he was at the top of the corporate ladder. He would be the number one on the Forbes 500 list. You know, he would be in the realm with the guy that owns Amazon, the guy that owns Microsoft. That's the world. He would be on that $300 million yacht and he'd have all the movie stars. Like that would be his life. And we, when you would see the highlights of his life, there would be portions, I'm sure, of his life to say, I wish I could do that. Here I am working, and here I am struggling, and, here I, and I wish I could have that. That's where he was, as we see many in our culture in the same place. He had met all his goals by this time in his life, and he was at rest. Or in verse 4, it says, he was in comfort. And how often we want comfort and prosperity in our lives. We really believe that that's the answer to all of our problems, comfort and prosperity. But it was comfort and prosperity that brought great problems to Nebuchadnezzar. And in his comfort and in his rest, he couldn't sleep on this one night. <laughs> he couldn't sleep. And it says that God sent him a dream, or really he doesn't, he says, I have a dream, and that, notice, it frightened me. And he also says in verse 5 that he had visions that terrified me. Now, those words have meaning in the original language of dread. He had a dream that brought dread into his life. Terrible fear. Back in Daniel chapter 2, verse 31, Daniel says, In your vision, O majesty, you saw standing before you a huge, steining statue of a man, and it was a frightening sight. It made you afraid. And it's true that a person can have it all. A person can have everything that maybe you want and still be afraid about the future and still be concerned about tomorrow because nobody is, has true peace apart from God. Peace is found only in a relationship of trust with your creator by faith in Jesus Christ. Peace will not come any other way. 
This world is not designed to give a person peace. This world works on a system of fear and control, this culture that we're in. It works on a system that even a man that, could, that we would consider to have everything a person would ever want, it wasn't enough to calm him when he got this dream. It wasn't enough to bring peace. He couldn't, at this point in his life, couldn't just shake it off and go, well, you know, I know the dream's troubling, but, and I know I have this dread, but look at all my money, and look at all of my servants, and look at all of my palaces, because those things don't satisfy, and they don't bring peace. Remember in our study this last weekend, as we were talking about sharing the gospel, if you weren't with us, I shared four things that every unbeliever deals with. Four things that are universal in every culture, every language. It is universal to human beings, and we use the word self. So when you're sharing the gospel, you know that one of these four things or all of these four things are going to be touched in a person's life. They have, a, number one, a need for security. They, they want to have that sense of security. Secondly, they deal with this thought of eternity. What's going to happen after I die? Thirdly, they deal with loneliness. That you could have it all and still be amazingly alone. And then finally, remember, they have those feelings of guilt. And they have that weight of guilt that sin continues to bring in. And if you don't deal with the guilt in your life, it gets heavier, not lighter. It gets harder, not easier. And so God sends a dream to get this attention of this unreachable man. So he says in verse 6, So I issued an order calling in all the wise men of Babylon so they could tell me what my dream meant. When all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers came in, I told them the dream, but they could not tell me what it meant. So the dream humbled him. It wasn't something he could keep to himself. There brought a humility in him where he shared with the people that he trusted to come and explain to him what he saw. He wanted to know the answer. And so he called people that said they could, but he did what was natural, which is often the case. He calls in the magicians, the astrologers, the soothsayers. Basically, he called in his psychic friends, the ones that were lying to him all along, and he asked them what it bid. But notice in verse 7, when all the magicians and chanters came in, he, he, when he told them the dream, they could not tell me what it meant. But verse 8 says, At last Daniel came in before me, and I told him the dream. And he was named Belteshazzar after my God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. And I said to him, verse 9, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and that no mystery is too great for you to solve. Now tell me what my dream means. While I was lying in my bed, verse 10, this is what I dreamed. I saw this large tree in the middle of the earth, and the tree grew very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves, and it was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade, and the birds nested in its branches. All the world was fed from this tree. Then as I lay there dreaming, I saw a messenger, a holy one coming down from heaven, and the messenger shouted, Cut down the tree and lop off its branches. Shake off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Chase the wild animals from its shade and the birds from its branches. But leave the stump and the roots in the ground, bound with a band of iron and bronze and surrounded by tender grass, and let him be drenched by the dew of heaven. And let him live with the wild animals among the plants of the field. Let's pause there. 
as he's recalling this dream, he goes back and remembers what Daniel did. Daniel has stayed. Remember, he was elevated to this high position because Daniel had been called for that previous dream. And as Nebuchadnezzar's wrestling with the reality of life, we see that we see that he is still in a place of wanting to know the truth. You need to remember that with the people that are in your life right now, the ones that you're frustrated with, the ones that you don't necessarily know how to answer, maybe the ones that you're even avoiding and don't want to answer. You don't want to step into that situation again. They didn't listen to you the last time. Like Nebuchadnezzar, he's wrestling with the reality of who he is apart from God. He may not be able to articulate it. He may not be able to explain it. And even in his own language, he's saying, you know, this Daniel has the spirit of the holy gods. Even though we know he's confessed God before and he's come to this place, he's still very confused about who God is. And I'm sure you've met people that are still pretty confused about who God is. And the last thing you want to do is jump in on them on some hyper-condemnation critical attitude and like, man, don't you know who God is? But rather to take the time to explain the one true God. You notice when Daniel comes in to interpret the dream, one thing you'll notice is, is that Daniel's just going to give him the interpretation of the dream. He's not going to give him a theology lesson. He's not going to sit down, okay, look, Nebuchadnezzar, don't you remember the last time we went through this? Don't you remember? He's going to work with what he has. And how important it is for us to learn to work with what we have. Because Nebuchadnezzar doesn't call him first. He calls his other guys first. The guys that let him down last time. And often that's what a person will do. They'll call their friends and their the buddies they hang out with. Maybe the people they party with. And, and they're, at, they're asking, but they really don't want to know. They do kind of want to know, but they don't really want to know. Because people apart from Christ are pretty confused. They're confused about life. They're confused about, I mean, especially if you've got a dream that's caused such great dread and fear inside of you. And Daniel had the answer. He had the answer of the first dream, and he didn't like it, Nebuchadnezzar. But now he has another dream, and instead of calling Daniel first, he calls his friends. And he called Daniel last because he knew Daniel would tell him the truth. But he just wasn't ready for the truth. Remember that. That's really what Nebuchadnezzar, he's sharing his testimony here. He's like, I called for all my friends. I know Daniel. I already know all about Daniel. And if I really wanted to know the truth, I'd call Daniel first. But I really don't want to know the truth because the last time this happened, it didn't end up very well for me. And it didn't end up well in what was trying to be communicated to me because what's being communicated in the gospel, remember, is a complete life change. And I don't know if you've noticed lately, but most people don't like to make a complete life change. Most people don't like to change grocery stores, let alone a complete life change. And most people don't like to change their habits of where they get gas, where they shop, the pattern of their life, when they wake up. This time change is messing with people's heads. You know that. I'm speaking for personal experience, but not that it may be messing with you where now it's all dark at the wrong time and it feels like it's midnight at 5 p.m. And you've got this, all these changes. So no, you know there's going to be some on the ballot. We don't want to change our clocks anymore. Well, imagine that confrontation of life change. Because someone listening to me right now, that is what God is calling you. He is calling for a life change. 
He's not just speaking to the situation you're in or the trouble you have or the dream that you may. It, it is not. That, that is simply to get your attention so that God might broadcast abroad to you personally. What you need is a life change, a surrender of your life, a surrender of your life, a complete turn away from sin. It's not just an interpretation of the dream. So, you know, he calls the guys again because maybe they might tell him something he wants to hear. But he eventually calls Daniel because he knows Daniel's going to tell him the truth. And that's, that's so typical of the people in our lives. They're confused. They seek out so help everywhere else. I mean, it frustrates you. You've got a friend and, and uh, you've, been, you've been trying to minister to them, but they don't come to you anymore. Instead, they go to the bar and they trust the bartender to give them the advice that they're looking for. And then they're telling you, hey, how was your night? Well, you know, I was talking and, and I got this advice. You go, who told you that? Well, you know, my new friend. Who's your new friend? Well, you know, he's down there on 6th Street. What would he wear? The bartender. It's like, you're listening to the bartender? You're asking the bartender about your personal dating issue? You won't call me? Yeah, you know, because I kind of know what you're going to tell me. So I really, I'm not asking for your opinion right now, by the way. I just, just letting you know. I bought a new book. It was, it was on Dr. Phil, and so I ordered it on Amazon. Now, I, I read it, and, you, you know, it was just life-changing. Really? But you're in the same place you were before you bought that book. Then you're 30 bucks out, out of your pocket on top of that. Why didn't you just come to me? Well, you know, I, I just thought the book would help me. I just thought Dr. Phil would help me. I just thought, you know, I saw this life hacks on Instagram, so I started following them, and that didn't help me. And then eventually they come to you. And how careful you need to be to be, be very gentle with them and just be happy they came to you. Just be happy they came to you. And just speak into their life the truth that God gives to them for them. Be patient with them. Because they called you. And whether they say it or not, a friend calls you, they want to know the truth. They, they, they want you to tell them the truth. And we need to learn, like Jesus did, how to speak the truth in love. How not to be tripped up by people's defense mechanisms of the truth. How not to be tripped up by the devastation of sin. And so in the testimony here, Daniel's called, but he's called last. And he came, notice verse 8. Mark this phrase. At last, Daniel came. We have these words one night. At last, Daniel came. We are those Daniels. And when you arrive, you may be the testimony. At last, you came. I noticed that Nebuchadnezzar called for him, but Daniel came. We have this mentality in the church, especially as we gather together, like, like as if, you know, the calling is for people to come to church. You know, that's not what the Bible teaches. The, the Bible doesn't teach for us as in evangelism to, to bring people to church as important as gathering is. The call of the Christian is for the church to go to the world. It's not the world to come to the church. The church goes to the world. You are an evangelist. Like whether you see yourself that way or not, it's not the church's response, like not this gathering, this small little gathering of church to be the evangelist. We are the evangelists. It's not the world coming to the church. It's the church going to the world. And in, in any case, like for us as a church, we're not looking to build a church or grow a church. We're looking to be faithful and to love the people that are in front of us. 
Pastor Ed Taylor is leading a study of Daniel right now on Abounding Grace. Thanks for taking part in today's Bible study. To hear it again, visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com, or you can hear us through our app. Simply search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play and download the free app today. Also, look for our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Pastor Ed, 2020 has been full of pain, heartache, and trouble for many in our world. But we've also seen God do some amazing things through it all. For example, I heard recently of a friend of yours baptizing nearly a thousand people. Would you draw our attention to some of those good things that the Lord is up to right now in the area of evangelism? Oh, man, isn't that a understatement, 2020? What a year this has been. It's been a year of ups and downs. You're right. It's been a year of pain, heartache, trouble. It's been a, a year of challenges. It's We've got an election coming up here in just a few days where ballots are going to be cast. There's so much division politically. There's so much division racially. There's so much division socially. There, There is division over how to handle the COVID, over masks, and on and on and on the list goes. However, like you mentioned, uh, my good friend Jack Hibbs just had a baptism uh, in the area there of Pirate's Cove, and 1,000 people were baptized. Why? Because in times of crisis, people are open And I want you to know, you guys listening in, that your loved ones, all the stuff you're dealing with is, all all the resistance is simply layers and layers and layers of junk that have been laid before them or before you to cover up a broken, hurting heart. Because ultimately behind all the issues, all the things behind all the layers of self-protection and defensiveness, we're human beings separated from God. And the doors are amazingly open if we can learn to stick to the gospel, to the good news. Jesus Christ also came into a very volatile world. The world that he came into was so volatile that they killed him illegally. And I think of Paul being put in prison illegally. And in second, as he's writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, he says, I might be chained, it's my paraphrase, but the word of God is not chained. So let's release it. And let's live in love. Uh, Let's reach out door after door after door. One of the other things I think that has happened besides churches being filled with people, again, coming back, uh, growing in grace, is that technology has been adopted by thousands upon thousands of churches that weren't broadcasting live, weren't on the internet, weren't on Facebook, weren't doing video, that are now reaching more people in their sphere of influence. Churches that typically have a hundred people, adults in attendance, now have a thousand people. I just saw a friend of mine, a church plant um, that sees less than a hundred adults right now in the course of his church, but he just sent out an update that said 500, over 500 people are tuning in to his live stream. Unbelievable what God is doing. So let's embrace the times, open our hearts to be used to the Lord, be new wineskins so that God can do a new thing in and through us. So exciting. Uh, God, the word of God has not changed. God has not changed. Uh, Christians are not being silenced. Um, Quite the opposite. Tribulation has always brought out the best in the followers of Christ. Let it be true of you, not the worst, because tribulation brings out the worst too. 
but it's also brought out the best. Let you be the one that God brings out the best in. (laughs) That is awesome. Thanks for sharing. We couldn't be more excited about the resource we picked out for you this month. It's a book by Tom Doyle called Standing in the Fire. As followers of Christ, we need to know what it means to stand courageously for our faith in a climate of fear. In Standing in the Fire, you'll read about those who did stand strong rather than run away in the face of overwhelming danger. I know you'll be encouraged. And we'll gladly send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Just pick up the phone right now and call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. And as we continue to get the word out on stations like this all across the nation, we'd appreciate your support. People need the truth of God's Word in difficult times like these. And with your help, we're able to provide it to them. You can donate to the ministry at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Or again, call 877-30-GRACE. Pastor Ed writes a blog where he offers raw thoughts on life, ministry, and grief. Check it out at edtaylor.org. Join us each day on Abounding Grace as we continue our journey through Daniel with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 